Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about a history of production success with the help of special guest Paul Winans of Winans Consulting in Ashland, Oregon. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, I'm Tim Fowler. Thanks for turning in, tuning in, excuse me, to the Tim Fowler Show. I think everybody will admit that experience is one of the best teachers uh, in every way. So here on the Tim Fowler Show, we really try to put you in touch with the experience of others. Primarily, we just don't want you to make the same mistakes everybody else makes. Or maybe it's just because we'd like to give you one of the best starts in production, running a business, whatever uh, need you have. Of course, many of the guests that we've had, experience comes from trial and error. They start, they restart, they learn, they relearn. All kinds of things goes into their experience. Our guest today has been at this for a while and in my opinion, stands out as an example of someone who is making it work. Now, I use those words very deliberately, okay? so. I've known Paul Winans for a long time, and I've seen him make it work. Now, a lot of folks have uh, may hear about Paul's success in this business and maybe just think like, wow, he's just naturally a gifted businessman. Or maybe we go like, well, after all, he lived in the Bay Area of California and there's so much money there, even a monkey could run a great business. Sometimes we just think, we might think maybe he just got lucky. So I'm here to tell you that my experience with him is that he made deliberate decisions along the way, many of them based on lessons that he learned the hard way, some of them based on lessons he learned from classes and seminars and all kinds of other things. And many he learned from inviting others to look over his company in a peer group format or perhaps uh, consultants looking at what he was doing and giving him advice along the way. But what has always impressed me is his ability to actually change. Okay, so I, I just want to really emphasize this. I've seen him adapt and change both himself and the company he ran. And so it's really, really exciting for me to have Paul on today and particularly to talk about production, but I'm sure there's some business things that'll pop in here as we get going. All right, let's get started, Tim. Paul Winans, CR, ran a highly successful remodeling business with his wife, Nina, for 29 years before they sold it in 2007. Their systems-oriented approach with manuals for every position which were used as a part of continuous training program, contributed greatly to the company's success and their ability to be away from the day-to-day running of the business for cumulatively up to four months a year. Welcome to the show, Paul. 
Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Tim. Boy, uh, I'm going to have you come and do the eulogy at my funeral. <laughs> well, let's not talk about that quite yet. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Paul, a lot of people know you through Remodelers Advantage, and certainly uh, your consulting. Uh, you you sold your company in 2007. Uh, give us an update of what you've been doing uh, over those years, and I guess most recently. Okay. So. Uh, Along with the company uh, not being something that we had to pay attention to or were involved in anymore in 2007, I started uh, uh, the consulting with principally RA members. I had been facilitating RA peer group meetings since 2000, and we were members from 97 to 2007. Our last meeting with our group was after we had sold the company. We went primarily to thank our fellow members for everything that they had done for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I do phone consulting. I do on-site consulting, uh, with companies. I've been writing, uh, a blog for remodeling.net, uh, yep. 10 years now, once wow. a week. Wow. I'm going to hit number 500 in August, which is absolutely freaking unbelievable. You know, Paul, uh, I have trouble getting something out every month, but every <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I, you know, one you were in the intro, you were talking about like what, what are some of the things that maybe I, I had or had to learn, and you know, making a commitment and following through on it, Tim. Yes, that is basically what business is about. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's production or not. Right. You know, and and in a company, you've got sales design estimating, making promises, <laughs> and you've got production keeping the promises. Right. Right. So, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> this is why, you know, this is why it's really important that you look at production as sort of a company focused activity as as opposed to a separate department. They right. are the ones who make you shine or turn out the lights. Nina and I have been traveling quite a bit personally. She posts things on Facebook and people tell me about them and I I, so how did you find out about that? Right. Uh, and a lot of theater. Uh, oh, yeah. I live in Ashland, Oregon, because it's a theater town, Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So yep. uh, Nina, at this point, is an Uber volunteer, uh, wondering when I'm going to slow down as much as I talk about slowing down. Right. So let's jump right into the topic here, Paul. Um, so we invited you on, you've done some great things just business wise, but we invited you on to talk a little bit about how you, uh, made the production part of your company very successful. So what do you think in your mind was like the top number one thing that you did in Winans construction that made production successful? Tim, you talked about the fact that I made changes over time. It used to be that the way we estimated was, uh, with you know, without allowing enough time, right. not reviewing it carefully enough, I would put in a, a number with zeros for like Sparky Electric, and next <laughs> to the would be where the source is supposed to be. Okay, it would say Paul's guess. That realizing that that basically was setting production up to fail. The other thing that I added into this was that I used to estimate as if I was going to be doing 
oh, work yeah. because I was quicker than anybody and I never made mistakes. Right. right? Which is right. total hooey. <laughs> I did things so quickly that I would, I wouldn't need to look at the plans except I go to look at the plans after something was done because I needed to get information on something else. And I'd see I had done it wrong. So I was very good with a nail puller. Right. But you generally don't estimate for that time. Right. So getting real about what, what the capabilities of the people we had working with us were and respecting that as opposed to saying, well, you should be able to do it faster. Right. 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 And then the, the, the primary thing was, that this all fit into was the production department was only as good as the package that they were given. Yeah. That meant, and what I realized over time was all the money in a project is made before the project starts. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely. Production. You know, we used to say, you let the, let the production department, you know, sort out the tile layout when it's time to get the tile in what, instead of giving them a drawing from the designer, instead right. of having the tile picked out before the job started, instead of having a firm quote from a tile subcontractor for labor and materials, uh, that the, the production department merely needed to review for accuracy and updated if needed, and then get a signature on it. So that meant that I had to review the packet three times, the estimate three times as it was being created. Okay. I reviewed as the salesperson, this was my role as sales manager and salesperson. I reviewed the packet with, with the completed estimate in it, the scope of work first that the client would see. And in the completed estimate were all the quotes from the providers, sub, subcontractors, trade contractors, vendors, etc. I had to own that information as the salesperson. I couldn't say the estimator screwed up. <laughs> I couldn't say the drawings weren't accurate. I couldn't right. say, you know, that we we over-designed. That's why we're, we're not going to get this job. I had to review what the designer put in front of people before the designer did that and say, are we and make a determination, are we on budget or not? Should we cancel this meeting until we have something that's on budget? So that package was the linchpin. So and Paul, then, so Paul yeah. was, there any, was there any particular thing that just flipped your, the switch in your mind that this, because I, I know a lot of business owners, they agree with all that, but they just can't seem to do it. And I'm yeah, just wondering. I know, it takes too, takes too much time, Tim, right? Right, how, right. How are you going to do that, right? Right. So we we tracked the time of the estimator and the designer, and we knew we needed thirty-two to forty hours for each of them. For okay. Basically, any any type of project except for a mega project, you know, right. something in the multiple hundreds of thousands. Okay. What flipped the switch? I got tired of losing money. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got okay. tired of being up against the freaking wall when it was time to present a proposal. And it wasn't quite done yet. So we right. sort of had to finish it. And then I would be worried that maybe the client would agree to sign. <laughs> How, what, what are we going to do now? You know? <laughs> okay. How can production save us? I got yeah. real, Tim. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, 
I just agree with this entire, uh, the whole thing. This is where I see most of the problems occurring with companies. Let's shift gears a little bit because I've heard you speak on a lot of different occasions. And uh, one of the things that has become a big topic in the uh, production manager world are these trade breakfasts or trade lunches or reaching out to trades and bringing them on board. And I've heard you talk about this a number of times. Could you just give us a little uh, insight into how you did those and uh, maybe some of the unique things that you did that made it kind of fun for everybody. Okay. So uh, we did, we did these once a year. If we were running the company now, I'd do it more frequently because of the demand that currently exists and the fact that more and more people are relying on subcontractors and right. vendors than they used to, to leverage uh, their own in-house workforce. So we'd invite everybody who we worked with. Uh, if it, it could be two electricians in the room, it could be three plumbing co- companies in the room. It didn't really matter because they aren't really competitors. They, you know, this is a thing that made a big difference in my life, Stephen Tim, is to look at the people who you think are your competitors and relate to them as the coopetition, the people who can teach you more than anybody else because they're okay. going through the same problems you have. Okay. They want good companies to survive. So we'd set this up 7.30 in the morning. Our regular starting time was 8 o'clock. It was one hour long, basically any meeting over an hour. Most of the people had checked out after an hour. Right. So we'd do it in a, you know, like a holiday in meeting room, have okay. breakfast stuff, and we'd start right at 7:30. And the way we set it up is we were we had a little manual for the trade contractor vendors. This is these are our expectations for you. Here's what you can expect from us. That type of thing. Here's the okay. forms you're going to see. And we would ask we build into the presentation that I was giving, very brief presentation, uh, questions. And then I would have what we'd have is Nina and I would have arranged with different people in our company to be the ones who would say, go to page six in the manual and look at in the middle. And there's the answer to that question. And the answer is this, and they'd read it out. So the trade contractors and vendors were getting to hear the voices of other people from our company extended instead of just me. Okay. And I do a presentation and the best one that we ever did is a PowerPoint, really simple promises, promises. (laughs) And it was about the promises that Winans Construction makes to its clients. Okay. Promises Winans makes to its trade contractor and vendor partners. Yeah. And the promises Winans needed the trade contractors and vendors to make to Winans. Okay, cool. You know, we have a picture of a sad lady when she (laughs) looks, you know, looking at a pot, you know, there's a picture of a pile of debris in her yard and the lady's sad that's the next picture yeah clean yard with stacked lumber the man is happy right just right these are all you know shots right off the internet yeah and we translated our production manager at the time uh knew spanish we so we had her translated into spanish because so many of the people who were working doing concrete work doing painting the workers were Spanish. Yes. We, so we gave little prizes, fun prizes, like just 
certificates, but cleanest uniforms, fewest change orders, and also most people in attendance. Ah. Because we wanted to speak to the workers, not the owners, salespeople. So that we had a had a concrete company and then a painting company. Both of them had a number of employees. And that one of these, they were calling up other people from their companies to come so they could <laughs> win the most people in the room. Oh, cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it was fun. We got the message out. We let them know we cared about them and needed them to care about us. And we wanted to be a partner, not a dominator. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So I think one of the big issues uh, in companies has always been this divide between sales and production. And I think at least in part, you have managed to bridge that by working really hard at the at the the package that would be handed off. Is there anything else that you think you've done pretty well that's helped bridge that gap between the sales and production teams? Tim, our our company was in the golden years was about 10 people. Okay. Uh, So including Nina and myself, and if we were 15 people or if we were 20 people, I would still do this. If, if we ever had that many people, we didn't, but, and we never had that many people and make money early in the life of the company. We had that many people who visited for a little while. (laughs) So we, we would do a Monday morning meeting. Eight o'clock to nine. Okay. Every single week. And that meeting followed the same agenda. By the way, it was one hour long. Okay. Uh, wouldn't get distracted by problems that popped up. Those would be dealt with by people outside that meeting who were right. involved in the problem. So we'd start off with somebody from the week previous having volunteered or been volunteered to bring to the table an example of somebody else in the company bringing some aspect of the company's mission statement or core values to life in the preceding week. It was much better than just reading those documents. And the whole agenda of the company followed the life of a client through the world of Winans. So that was that the mission statement and core values were the foundation for every decision we made. Then we'd hear from Nina would talk about marketing. Okay. That's how you find clients. We'd talk about sales. I was a sales manager, but we'd have the estimator talk about all the different proposals that were being worked on and what the status of them were. Because okay. it's better for the, the, you know, one of the changes I made, Tim, was instead of being the dominant voice inside a meeting room, Right. I just backed off and let yeah. other people hear their voices. Okay. It, yeah, it's so tempting just to try to run everything, isn't it? But it's so much better to let other people talk. Correct. <laughs> right. Then we hear from the production manager about production. Then going through this week's schedule, starting from the top, the stinky stuff that, that you know, you're having a hard time wrapping up from old jobs and then going through current jobs and then talking about upcoming jobs. After that, admin, you know, get your timesheets in on a more timely basis or health insurance is going up. And that was the admin assistant, Lisa, okay. who worked with Nina. And then we do some, uh, we, 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 we cycled between several different things. One was Nina would have said, we're going to look at the employee manual, pages 7 to 10, 
read those before the meeting. I'm going to ask you questions during this five-minute period. Whoever can answer the question correctly would get a point. Mm. And Nina would track the points. Another meeting would be Nancy, the production manager, doing this with the field manual, you know, pages ah. 8 to 11. Right. The thing is, people never read these manuals except after the fact. Right, right. right. Like somebody, somebody make, schedules a trip for two weeks and they come into the com- office and say, oh, my God, I'm going on this trip for two weeks. And I, we put the down payment down and it's great that I've got two weeks vacation. And he said, you know, by the way, did you look in the employee manual? You haven't worked here long enough for two weeks vacation. <laughs> Isn't that a fun conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So this way they get to see it periodically. And the right. third thing was everyone was supposed to bring to the table a suggestion. And we would read out the suggestions. And then everyone in the company except Nina and myself would vote on them. And whoever won got 20 bucks. No. And Nina, we we categorize those in three categories and report every several months on progress regarding them. One was great idea. We're instituting it today. Right. Second category was a really good idea. We are putting this into the hopper. It's got it's going to be coming up in some time. And the third was. As long as we own this company, this will never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Nina would would report on these, and we would be honest, right? Right, right, right. But we wanted people to make the suggestions because a lot of good things came out of them. And at the end of the year, the points would be added up from what Nina was doing and uh, Nancy. And whoever had the most points would go be able to go to the gift grab table first at the holiday party. Cool. So we made it fun. Yeah. That was what a lot of it, that's that. And we had people interacting, you know, when you do round tables meetings, you go into companies and the production department never sees the people in the office. Right. right. And vice versa. Right. This was, this was creating bonds that could be capitalized on, when there was an issue in production, they right. weren't left hung out to dry because everybody cared, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. felt responsible. Definitely. Paul, I've had the opportunity to uh, sit in as you've uh, coached and, and facilitated, and you speak a lot of times about how you've changed over the years. You know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about not being a dominator or you know, dominating the meetings, but um, so you seem to me to be self-aware. Has this been a long-standing, continual improvement of yourself? Was there a tipping point, and how can others kind of realize if they may be contributing to the problem? You know, just kind of not. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that for a couple of hours. <laughs> the thing is, is if you find, I think I can't pin it to a specific instance, Steve. But, you know, I saw a pattern coming where, uh, well, here, I'll tell you about the scissors. Okay. Right. So I would go to the drawer in the kitchen to get the scissors. And I, before I got there, I was angry because I knew when I opened the drawer, I wasn't going to find them. Right. So I'd open the drawer anyway. And then I'd yell for Nina, where are the scissors? Right. She'd come and show me the scissors because she could see them. I couldn't. (laughs) <laughs> and then, so I thought this is really stupid, right? 
I'm going to, so I go, you know, the next time I go down the stairs, I'm getting angry as I go down the stairs. I open the drawer and uh, Nina comes when I yell and she finds the scissors and I'm thinking, well, what, what could be different about this? Why is she seeing them? What, what am I doing to myself, right? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I think quickly, I get distracted easily. How can I change? So I start, I'm going down the stairs and I'm starting to get angry and I realize I'm starting to get angry, right? I, I, am, I have a choice here and I go to the drawer and I look and I still can't find the scissors, but I'm not as angry as I was. Nina comes, shows them to me. Next time going down the stairs, I make it all the way to the drawer and I'm thinking, I used to get angry. This is really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not doing me or anyone else good. I still can't find the scissors. Nina comes, finds them. And one day I just go and I get the scissors and realize I found the freaking scissors. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, you know, what I was doing was responding to a habit. I had, I was being controlled by a habit, which was getting angry because right. I'm in position and I was the only one who could make a different choice. Yeah. yeah. I could yeah. be different than the way I am unquote unquote. Right. I could become the person I wanted to be. That's what happened. That's fantastic. So, so that's a great takeoff for my, my next question. Um, I was with a company not too long ago where I suggested to the owner that they not visit job sites without the production manager because I was experiencing something where the production manager was much better at working with the team than the owner was. And then I had read, I had read in your upcoming book that this was a deal you made with your production manager. So that must've been an interesting decision. So did it really work for you? And, and what was the impact on you and the team with that? Uh, it, I think it really worked him. Okay. Uh, I, you know, there was, there were a couple of reasons. One is as a really, you know, a driven, a driven person who wants nothing but excellence. What right. is the first thing that I see when I walk into a site? Something that's wrong. Correct. Right? That's yep. not perfect. Yep. That, that sort of just sets the tone for nobody paying attention to me for the rest of the time there. And they're just waiting for me to leave. Okay. So I figured, you know, one of, what I did, the first thing that I did was realize I had to lead with praise. And I right. actually would made a commitment to praise somebody for something each time I visited a site. And this was when I was going by myself. And I, you know, I had to, again, retrain myself because I'd forget, drive 100 yards down the road and say, oh, God, I forgot to praise somebody and turn around and go back and praise somebody for <laughs> cleanliness, oh, that's communication, that's great. orderliness, you know, and I, it was hard. It was, yeah. it was hard. And I was, I eventually got to the point where people realized that I was being sincere. I wasn't just on their chains in some strange way. Right. So with Nancy, because I had a tendency to improve the project at the cost of our profits. Right. I, I, we made a deal that I would go to the site with her. If I had something good to say, I could say it directly to people. If I had something that I thought wasn't quite so good, 
I had to tell Nancy. And what Nancy would do is like if I thought, you know, maybe this trim detail could be executed a little bit differently, even though it was done per plan. Right. Nancy would say, Paul, that's that's a really good idea. <laughs> At this point, the client loves what's been done. The lead carpenter did what was drawn and estimated. So what you should do is go back and put that idea in our estimating template so the next time it pops up on a job, we can actually build in the cost to do it. Yeah. But we're not changing it on this job. <laughs> that was um, very helpful for me. Really yeah. good. You know, uh, boundaries, limits. Right? Yeah. Yep. And respecting them. Yes. yes. So let's... um. We had a little conversation before we actually started into the podcast about uh, employee longevity. So just give us your thoughts about that. And then I'd like to start wrapping up. If you just give us a little more information about your book, we'd love to hear about that. Okay. So the idea of longevity with a company, employees, and then a little bit about the book and we'll wrap things up. Okay, Tim. Okay, Steve. So uh, what I've you know, in, in being a facilitator with Remodel, there's Advantage Roundtables. You get a massive amount of information every time you're about to run a group. And one of the metrics that I, I pay attention to is the average longevity of employees at a company. My, I've always worried a little bit when it's like one and a half years or three years because everybody's right. getting to know each other and there isn't a lot of history for you know, collective history for people to draw on. People are learning how to work with one another. And I also get nervous when I see it go above 10. Right. Actually get a little nervous when it's around seven or eight. Why do I feel that way? What happens, you know, it's, there's a book back in the day, Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he talks right. about, you, you know, you've got this bus, which is your company, and you have seats on the bus. And there is, and your whole point of making the company, one of the ways to make the company great is by having the right people in the right seats on the bus. Right. Now, what happens is the bus doesn't stay right there. As time goes by, the bus, your business is moving and changing and evolving. What I think happens sometimes with some of the people in the company, they remain back at the station, as it were, mm -hmm. they are really happy with the way things used to be. And they're not so happy making the journey. They do continue to quote work unquote in the company, but their performance will never be as good as what the company deserves now. Right. Right. The company has evolved and changed. Yeah. How do you deal with this? Well, you know, you need to have regular reviews. You need to be frank with people. You need to ask them questions as opposed to sit and stew about how you know, this guy <laughs> was a star and now he's a slacker. You know, right. She used to make the difference and now she can't even keep up with people. Right. That these, these conversations don't happen as regularly as they need to. So the, my point is to pay attention, right? Yeah. Make, don't assume everybody is who they were when you first brought them in and spend enough time with them to verify that they're still part of the solution. Sounds, sounds terrific. So give us a little bit about the book. What can we expect from it? And when do you think it'll be hitting our shelves? Okay. So the book is called The Remodeling Life. And 
subbed from laggard to leader. <laughs> and the point is how to build a business that works for you. Okay. Nina's brother, Paul, who I've known for forever, he said when he heard from laggard to leader, Paul was never a laggard. He was <laughs> richest. 10th grader I know because <laughs> I worked I've been working a long time right so the book is the book is a, a lot drawn from a lot of what I've been writing over the last 10 years okay once week things yeah and it's a lot of stories about the journeys I've had to take to become who I really want to be and what right. I've bumped up against about how a business is really supposed to work for you as opposed to you working for the business. Right. You know, uh, and some, you know, I reference a number of different books that have had an impact on me over time. Uh, and then the idea is if you read this, it's a, it's not a super long book. If you, you can read this all the way through, or you can go specifically to points in the book for answers to questions that you have. Uh, it very, you know, 16 chapters, uh, -huh. uh, which, and I, and I've been sharing it with some people to get their feedback. Feedback has been really positive. It's just, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. So when, so when will it forward in July ish? Okay. Amazon all right. in all likelihood. Oh, cool. Uh, and they'll, it'll be print to order or an ebook and or an ebook. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank I've you. So cast, I've already cast the movie too. Just oh, so you know. Oh, good. Who's good. playing you? For someone to pick up the screenwriting option. So <laughs> who's going to play you? Well, I thought, you know, uh, it's like Chris Pine, maybe early <laughs> on. <laughs> and then uh, Brad Pitt later. Okay. And then, uh, Oh, the guy, uh, the original, Hunt, original Hunt. Uh, Harrison uh, Ford, Solo, right? Harrison, yeah, Harrison Ford. Ford oh, Harrison Ford. Oh, God. And good, they're good, all going to have to shave the top of their head. There we go. Right? <laughs> we'll mention how hey. humble you are as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Paul, thank you so much. A yes. lot of laughs, but a lot of great insights here. Just really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you soon just to give you a hug and shake your hand. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Likewise. Steve, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, real Take pleasure, Paul. Yourselves. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Tim, uh, you know, I've been with Remodelers Advantage for three, year, three and a half years now. And uh, since I got here, every time I'm able to be around Paul, it's a treat. And I, I absolutely love talking with him. And, you know, that continued today. It's fantastic. Well, I want to apologize to the listeners. Uh, we went a little longer today, but I just couldn't find the place where I said, I don't want to hear what he has to say. You know, it's just, it, in fact, I have a list of questions and I didn't get to all of them. So I just really appreciate Paul's wisdom. Uh, there's just so many little nuggets there. And I do want to encourage people to uh, listen to what he has to say. Look up what he's already written. Get a hold of the book. Yeah. And there's just so many good things that he's got for us. And they're in little nugget forms. That's what I really like about what he tells us. Yeah. Well, great. Well, once again, we would like to thank Paul Winans for joining us. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. 
And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.